This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello there, mindful listeners. Thanks so much once again for tuning in and spending some time with us. Oh gosh, I heard a word yesterday when I was listening to talk radio, and that word was languishing. And I've heard the word before, but I thought it was such a perfect word to sort of describe how I understand and know a lot of people, including myself at times, are feeling coming out of such an incredibly wondrous and tumultuous year with the, the pandemic and the unknowns and the fear and also the misinformation and confusion and all of that stuff. So languishing, right? People are languishing. But today, I think it's a perfect word because we're going to be talking about the stigma around depression and anxiety. And better yet, we're going to be talking about breaking down that stigma. And I've got an incredible guest to do that with me. Her name is Montana Jacobs. She was born in Illinois, raised in Israel, and has conquered the business world all over the globe, so you can imagine. But she wanted to do something more with her life. So last year, she launched her podcast called Hope to Recharge. And this podcast is dedicated to helping break the stigma around mental health. We're going to talk so much more about mental health. I mean, after all, this is mindful medicine, right? We want to open up our minds. And I think so much emphasis is on people's physical health, right? We talked about metabolic disorders and the fact that only 12% of Americans don't have, doesn't have one, which is why we got into so much trouble when a virus came around and we had inflammatory pathways kicked off and we got very, very sick and such. But our mental health is sometimes ignored and there is a stigma around it. So Matana, thanks for being here. Let's get it going. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I was telling you before that this is a new platform and I'm really excited to to get out of my comfort zone. Talking about uh, mental health, I think it's all about leaving our comfort zone and exploring in order to heal. And um, yeah. so much of my healing was leaving my comfort zone. And I always say, experiment through life, leaving your comfort zone, because one day you're going to be forced to do that. And then you'll be comfortable leaving your comfort zone. Wow, that's a good one. It's like, <laughs> go ahead and practice it before it happens. So then when it happens, you're like, hey, I got this. Yeah. I've, been, I've been training for this, right? Exactly. Well, I, you know, I always love guests that that come on and have a sort of an expertise in an area. And, and part of what fueled that expertise is their personal experience. And I know that you have a personal story of being hit with a debilitating panic attack. Um, so can we talk about that and share with the listeners how that happened and how this then put you on your journey of healing? Yeah, I love sharing my story. And thank you for giving me this opportunity, because I always say if one person hears my story and chooses hope and healing, it was worth sharing it. And um, so I, I'm really grateful for every human that's willing to listen, and especially for you that's willing to share it. So as you said, I grew up in Israel. And when I was 26, I moved to the States, I married an American guy. Um, he's my husband, we have five children. Now at the time when I 11 years ago, when I had my first panic attack, I had three children. I traveled a lot. I, I worked in Hong Kong. I worked for the largest software company in Israel. I, I was really conquering the world, really, like you say, conquering the world. And I didn't, growing up as an Orthodox 
Jewish person, we get married really, really young. Um, and I was so loving life. I'm like, why would I get married? Like, why would I put anything in front of me that might stop this awesomeness? Um, but my, my sisters got married really young. They, by the time they were, I think, 25, they had already six or seven children. And they were also huge entrepreneurs in the in the world, uh, like in the tech world, um, we, we're very pro-women uh, um, succeeding in, in our family, especially in Israel. So, but the one thing I knew was that if I do get married and when I get married, I'm not going to want to do the rat race of sending my kids out early in the morning. I knew that I wouldn't be able to. It's, I'm not judging anybody that does it. And I'm like, kudos to you. I knew that my energy and my strength would not be able to get them out at seven, be at my desk at eight or eight thirty, work for seven, eight, ten hours, and then come home and be a nice mom. I said, if I'm gonna, if I'm going to devote my life to motherhood and decide to have children, I want to do it from a peaceful place. And I saw my sisters in life, and I said, I, I know this is not something I could do. So that was like, I always say, thank you for teaching me. So I got married at 26 and I married somebody that was very financially stable. And I said, okay, we, we, we knew I'm going to be the mommy. He's going to be the supporter. And if I want to, I'll, I'll explore later on getting back into the, um, into the workforce. But I was loving my life. Really. I was traveling to Israel a few times a year. I was traveling to London cause I had friends. Like I just was the perfect life. I went to Israel for one of my sister's, um, children's bar mitzvah. I tried to go for every celebration cause I was the only one in America. And I said, I'm going to go to Israel for every celebration. I come back and it was right before a holiday, a Jewish holiday. And on the first night of Jewish holiday, I found myself in the hospital for, what they called a panic attack. And I thought I was dying. I literally thought I was dying. I had, I, I, I went from not be able to breathe. I fell asleep on the couch from jet lag and I went to waking up, feeling my heartbeat, like going crazy, never experiencing this feeling of mm. I, I'm going to die. And then I said to my husband, it was two thirty in the morning. I'm like, Ari, I'm dying. He's like, no, you're not dying. You're jet lag. I said, no, I'm dying. And then within a few minutes, I wasn't talking anybody anymore. I wasn't responding. I woke up there. I had seven EMT around me. They rushed me to the hospital. They thought maybe heart failure. And um, after and this kind of came out of the blue. This is like literally out of the blue, like jet lag, okay. like literally nothing. There was no symptom. There was no trauma. There was no major nothing, nothing. I was going to sleep, falling asleep from jet lag, waking up in the hospital with a ton of doctors around me, taking my vitals and trying to figure out what it was. And after doing all the tests and them ruling out everything, they told me early in the morning, like I think it was seven or eight o'clock, hi, Mrs. Jacobs, you can go home now. I'm like, I can go home? The way right. I feel? They're like, yeah, that was a panic After how attack. scary that was. Yeah. And they said it's a panic attack and they gave me this pamphlet of like uh, what mental illness is and learn about it and learn how to oh. breathe and very fast after that within three months i think i re i reached rock bottom panic attack came, mm. turned into anxiety turned into not sleeping mm. turned into not eating turned into deep depression it came to a point that i lost so much weight because i couldn't eat that i had to be mm. on iv sometimes um, I, we celebrated the fact that I would drink a half a protein shake a day. That was a celebration. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so this within three yeah. months of a panic attack coming out of nowhere and exactly. then being released saying, hey, you have a mental illness. It's a panic attack. It's, it's anxiety. Here's a pamphlet. Go home. And then you hit rock bottom with a lack of appetite, secondary to anxiety, uh, being debilitated, not being able to speak. So this is, and, and I know, and I'm repeating this because I know that so many listeners are being able to see themselves in your story because this happens all too often. And I am so interested in where you're going with this. Keep on sharing. Okay, and tell me when to stop. When to stop to breathe? Because I talk very fast, and I like I I share a lot. Um, I'm very passionate about my story because I say, especially for women, or especially for moms, because that's my like where I stand. And I said that if I didn't have my children at the time, I don't know if I would fight to heal as much as I did. But I remember saying to my husband when I was suicidal, and I said, I cannot fight one more minute. I cannot take this pain anymore and it was a pain that i never experienced before and i didn't even know where to blame it because you look for blame you look for a reason and there was nothing to to hold on to and i said but who's going to take care of my children i kept on saying i need a i need a fight for my children who's going to take care of my children this is not okay and i called my mom in israel it was three months later when i was going to um a psychiatrist and I called my mom and I was crying and I said, get on a plane, come save me and promise me you're going to get to the top doctor to figure out what is wrong with me. Like that was my moment of acceptance. You know, there was denial, there was confusion. That, and then I'm like, okay, acceptance. I am not well. I need to figure this out. I need a team. And my mom was the best, like she is the best. And my family is super supportive. And I said, just, just come and let's figure it out. And we went to psychiatrists. One was terrible. And I'm going to say this a million times. A psychiatrist could either kill you or can make you like literally thrive. So find the right psychiatrist. They're, I, I say they're like brain surgeons. You're not going to go to any brain surgeon. They're, they're manipulating your brain. They have to know what they're doing. Then after that terrible psychiatrist, I found a godsend psychiatrist. Literally, I call him my guardian angel. And he sat with me for three hours explaining to me what my brain is going through. Mm. And you're going to love this because this is, it has to do with what you're, yeah, just ask. Well, I'll tell, I mean, I, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, so three hours, because listen, with all due respect, you know, and I always say that there's value in all systems of medicine, but a lot of times in my experience, psychiatrists have a major modality and it's a prescription pad. You know, that is mm -hmm. their, their, their modality, right? So it's like, here, yeah. take this. And exactly. that takes about three minutes. But when you're talking about exactly. three hours, you ran into somebody who actually um, probably cared about you, assessed you. And then I think with education, there comes empowerment, right? So for so yes. long, you had no idea what was going on. And then of mm -hmm. course, that anxiety begets anxiety. You know, if you have anxiety and you don't know where it's coming from, that can cause anxiety in and of itself. So there's a vicious exactly. cycle that, that's involved, right? So you, it sounds like you found somebody and that's important for listeners too. Um, you know, your doctors work for you. You can fire them. Uh, you are responsible for hiring them. Uh, you don't have to, you know, just take what anybody says. That's why there's second, third, fourth opinions. And so you found a three hour block of time with this 
guardian angel who taught you what was going on and helped you heal. Okay, keep going. He said to me words that I preach, I preach. Now, first of all, he wasn't cheap. I'm going to say it straight out there. He wasn't under my insurance. I said, I want somebody top, top, top that will give me that I'll, I'll pay for his time because I understand how valuable it was. And it was really expensive. But I said, if this is going to fix my life, and I compare it to God forbid cancer, if somebody has stage four cancer, are they going to a local clinic, or they're going to the top doctor to figure out what's the best chance to get better and I said I'm willing to pay so I was sitting there and that's why he gave me the 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 first three hours took time and then he said to me listen I'm gonna give you medication and we're gonna tweak it because no two humans are the same and it's gonna take time and you're gonna be in touch with me and you're gonna tell me your side effects but these these were the key words that changed everything for me He said, you're going to start feeling better and you're going to start getting out of your depression and lessen your anxiety. The medication will have some kind of a side effect. We don't know what it is yet. We'll give you the generic list of what the side effects, but we're going to see what you're going to tell me. But he said to me, if you really want to heal, his name is Dr. Samuel Parker, Uh I remember now. (laughs) If you really want to heal, It's not about the medication. He said, you're going to have to practice mindfulness, yoga, meditation, forgiveness, and exercise. What psychiatrist says that? (laughs) Yeah, especially the forgiveness part. Amazing. Just amazing. Yeah. And I remember leaving. It was the first time that I found hope in this like few months of darkness. I'm like, okay, he explained to me, as you said before, knowledge is power. And I was so confused. I'm like, what is going on? And, and how does this happen? And how do I go back? How do I do rewind to the life that I was before? Like, why did my brain just break? Like, how does that work? And how do we reconstruct our brain? And he explained it to me. And I was, I was in touch with him. We started medication. We changed it a bunch of times. They, then I stabilized on something. Then I had more um, side effects. Eventually, I was after implementing yoga, meditation, mindfulness, everything. And I, w- I went OCD on it. Like, really, I went deep. There was no day without yoga. There was no day without meditation. There was no such thing. Just And I always say, if you take your medication twice a day, do your mindfulness twice a day. Up the dose if you need to. But do it. And after a few years, I got off my medication with him together. Like I got to a stage that we were able to monitor it. It took me six to eight months. I wanted to become pregnant again. I felt stable enough. And I think the work that I did with the brain exercise was so powerful that it connected the wires that were broken. So I think, I mean, it's amazing your story and what you're saying is because I think, you know, there is a place for everything. And I am certainly not against medication. What I am against is not looking for a root cause because medications can certainly help with symptoms and help you get there. But if we don't build an exit strategy around them, then we aren't honoring the body's ability to heal. And we all know that we have an innate ability to heal. And like, you know, I said at the top of the show, there's a lot of focus on, hey, if you have diabetes, we're looking at your pancreas and is it, you know, 
beta cell destruction or what's going on there and or certainly giving medications and such to keep that blood sugar regulated but when it's a mental illness with anxiety a lot of times just it stops right there the medication is prescribed and people need to move on like and take their medication just do it there's no other digging deeper about the the recircuit like you said the recircuiting that needs to happen the awareness a lot of times i think um anxiety especially if you would let me project on your life a little bit, when you're so busy conquering the world from a business perspective, like you were so successful, there's not a lot of time to feel anything. I mean, you're, you know, you're hustling, Absolutely. right? You're going from country to country and hotel to hotel and transportation to transportation and plane to plane. And, and you know, and it's like, hey, I love my life. This is awesome. There's a lot of stimulus. Not a lot of consciousness, though, happening, right? Because you're so busy. And so sometimes this unconscious feelings, until we bring it out into our awareness, we can't really get a hold of it to really understand. And it sounds like you went through that journey. I can't say I'm in enough because that was exactly me. I had a friend, one of my closest friends, she's like my soul sister, that I can park myself for 20 hours with her and time will freeze. And she knew me before I got married. And she always used to say, you don't share your feelings. You're just an autopilot of like, just recover, like just move on and and just on to the next thing. And I'm like, feel, why feel? Why would I want to feel that like, who wants to do that? And it's not even in the only in the business world. I think as a mother, just think about a mother with multiple children. Who has time to think when you're doing 20 carpools and dinners and, and, and putting out fires in school and whatever? It, it takes a lot. There is no time to feel. And I didn't want to feel. And I remember when I was so, so sick. I was so sick and I said, and I saw somebody meditating in, in uh, somewhere in Asia and I felt this deep sadness in my heart. Like, I'm like, oh my God, they're so lonely. I was projecting. I'm like, they're so lonely. Oh my God, they must be suicidal. Like I was totally to taking it to another place. And I said, you know what? The day I want to be alone with my feelings, the day I yearn to be somewhere on a mountaintop on my own, that's the day I know I healed because I won't run away from my feelings anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and I think it's like, it's like anything else. It's like, um, if you've got a weak muscle and you're in the gym, you know, you don't start out with like the big barbell and, you know, 400 pounds on it. You, you, you exercise that muscle until it gets stronger. And I think it's the same way when we need to grow our tolerance for our feelings and we need to start slow and with assistance, right? So we have personal trainers um, that are physical trainers, but I think what you're saying is like, there's correct and the real healers of mental wellness and mental health, it's important for that assistance. And so let's talk about your podcast a little bit because um, it seems like in each show, um, you bring somebody on personally who's struggling with depression, anxiety, and you talk about the experience and as well, the therapists, the doctors and the healers that are actually doing things right. Right. So after I heal, I remember where I was standing in my room one day when I was really about to give up and I said, I looked up and I believe in God and I was a God fearing person. But at the time I felt like there was no connection to God and I felt very alone. And I said, God, if you exist, 
please show me the way to heal. I have three children. I want to heal. I want it so badly. And I said, if you heal me, I will forever pay it forward. And I took a vow. I literally took a vow. And after my my life went from survive from uh, debilitating illness to surviving to hope to healing to thriving. I said, "Okay, it's time." And I, one of the things that I was never embarrassed was, about was my story. So I always shared it. I was always telling. So it wasn't something new to me to to share. And people were reaching out because I was sharing my journey of healing. People were reaching out, and I found that I didn't have enough time in the day to spend with everybody who was calling. So I said, you know what, I'm going to start a podcast. This was two years ago. I started a podcast and I decided that my goal is to break the stigma and to make a community that everybody feels not alone. And there are no two stories that are the same. And it's so humbling to interview people and to see their journey of recovery or humbling to hear about neuroscientists that are figuring things, more things out about our brain or healers. My, my, my journey of healing, I must say, majority happened through the spiritual, holistic world. Like I had a tremendous amount of mentors and healers and, and coaches and I, had, I, I spent a lot, a lot on the spiritual realm of healing. And I wanted to gift it to the world. And I wanted to say, you don't have to be a victim to what life feeds you. You can work with it and evolve with it. And literally every episode is a gift to the universe. And everybody connects for it in a different way. If it's bipolar, borderline, um, depression, postpartum, panic attacks, OCD, whatever it is. I can't relate to all of them because I don't know what it's like. But I could gift somebody else that went through it and a listener could say oh my god i'm not alone yeah that is amazing and i bet you do that each and every week and helping people understand that they're not alone it's, it's probably one of the best healing modalities ever is just to um, have people be seen in the stories that you tell and the the experiences that you share yeah, yeah. and i can't tell you how many emails i get that that just give I always say to my lollipop jar that when I feel overwhelmed with life I have five children I have my business uh, I went back to business afterwards because I just felt like I need to um, do something more with for myself so I have the balance well but when I feel oh my god am I doing the right thing God always sends me a lollipop through the email or through my mail or whatever it is or a text that someone said um, your podcast helped me or or guided me or I didn't I didn't attempt suicide because of that was one of the best ones that I got I think this podcast stopped me from attempting suicide tonight like what could be more like amazing so I I want to at least make sure that the listeners know okay the podcast is called hope to recharge and website as well hope to recharge.com so to wrap up our show, talk about your daily practice of gratitude. We talk about gratitude a lot. We hear about gratitude a lot. We think about gratitude as far as journaling and such. Um, but when it comes to your healing journey, how did gratitude have such an impact on you? Okay, I need seven hours for that. And I have 56 episodes on my podcast on gratitude because I believe that if without gratitude, it's really hard to truly heal. And I came across a book on um, 
on healing your mind and it was all about gratitude. And then I realized that everybody's talking about gratitude, no matter what it is that they're trying to achieve. So I started like really, really practicing it daily when it was impossible to find something to be grateful for. So nowadays, there is no morning that is started. I should say it, this is already almost 11 years. There is no morning that is started without my gratitude meditation. And then I have my prayer that I say, and I have visualizations, and I have a, a, I write down the top few things that I'm grateful for. And But my gratitude happens through the day. And my kids make fun of me and people make fun of me because I'll see a cloud and I'll go into a gratitude moment. And as if someone just told me you won a million dollars, like it's just like that. I see life with gratefulness. I don't see life with challenges. I just say, how is this challenge going to take me to the next level? And I really live with an open, grateful heart. And I always and I'm going to wrap up with this. It's, it's, it's just part of my life. And I implemented it and I say it's my vitamins. I'm not holy. I'm not, I'm not doing anything that anybody else cannot do. I'm doing this as a choice because without gratitude, my life is numb. My life is bleak. My life is sad. With gratitude, it's colorful. It's exciting. It's vibrating. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. So I'm doing this. I, it's my vitamins. It's my vitals. It's my, I, my, my IV for happiness. <laughs> so why would I not tap into it every single day? Wow, that is perfect, perfect prescription to wrap up on. And Matana, thank you so much for sharing your story and also then for doing something about it to express to the world that we can change the stigma around depression and anxiety, dig a little bit deeper, get to root cause, and help people come out of the vicious cycle that can swallow them up. I so appreciate it. Everybody hope to recharge. It's a podcast. Check it out. Mindful listeners, we're going to do that with that podcast. Open up your mind just a little bit more. Being grateful, uh, being able to see other people in their depression and anxiety. And, you know, there was a podcast I was listening to the other day and people talk about PTSD. And of course, something like that can lead to de uh, depression, and anxiety, but post-traumatic stress disorder. But um, uh, the, somebody framed it as there's, there's also post-traumatic wisdom, right? Where you can actually learn and grow from the experiences during turbulent times in folks' lives. And let's face it, life can be pretty darn difficult sometimes but tapping into these things good healers uh gratitude and listening to great podcasts like yours and hopefully mine this is mindful medicine folks we'll see you next time thanks so much